0: You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players, and all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 36 of Arsenal Pass. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing? Well, it's December 15th. I'm getting into the Christmas spirit, of course. It's almost uh, the
1: holiday season, so I'm, I'm great, thanks.
0: Yep. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> well, today we'll be doing another one of our Flesh and Blood class deep dives. It's one of Fab's oldest classes, actually, Guardian. So from being one of Flesh and Blood's first control decks to its evolution as a potential powerhouse of aggression, the Guardian class is a little bit of something for everyone. But before we get into it, Hayden, let's talk about your week in Flesh and Blood.
1: Yeah, uh, looked pretty similar to last week. Um, Nationals on the horizon, only what now, five and a bit weeks away. Um, and I also have, you know, obviously some, some downtime over the holiday break in there. So, got in a draft this week. Um, been trying to draft at least once or twice every week at the moment, which um, has been good. Enjoying Tales of Draft still. And then just some constructed, obviously, with who, you know, our, our usual sort of testing group. Everyone's still helping out, which is great um and then that's kind of it's kind of been it it's uh it's a busier end to the year so hoping over that sort of downtime of the holiday break I'll get to play some more constructed and work out what I uh what I actually want to play at nationals but yeah otherwise that's that's kind of in it how about yourself
0: um yeah actually have been a little busy so not testing too much I am uh prepped for you know a, a very a very nice cleaning tomorrow which should be interesting so um but yeah, I mean, this is kind of the first period of time where I've had to take a little bit of time off, uh, but hopefully we'll be back soon and stronger than ever, and just whooping you on all of my, uh, my Kana decks again. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week is pretty interesting. There's been massive breaking news, which is actually no news, but no news is news. Hayden, tell me about it.
1: No news is news. I think people say no news is good news, and in this case, I think that's... Uh... I believe that to be true, but we'll have a, have a chat about it anyway. So, banned and restricted update came out yesterday. Um, there is no changes to the banned and restricted list for either classic constructed or for blitz. So, classic constructed, the, so the latest update was the 14th. So, as we record, literally just you know yesterday. Um, the next review that Alice have said is going to be February 2nd. So, they've decided to make no changes in the lead up to the last two remaining nationals of the season, being New Zealand and Australian nationals uh given some reasoning behind this and and really that's just the belief that the metagame is in a reasonable position. Uh that, you know, we're seeing decks that while Briar's had a successful national season, there's been you know players around the world exploring exploiting metagame puzzles to success. That's their exact words. So in particular old time and chain, uh and even with of course Kano and Lexi winning nationals, they feel that there's, you know, a demonstration of of a metagame that is uh, is challenging Briar and that Briar is not I guess so dominant that they feel something is needed to change uh, whether it be banning of a card or restriction of the card or some sort of other change that we, you know, we discussed in our community hot seat episode. And I think from that episode, right, Brennan, we were pretty happy that um, the current state of the meta is pretty healthy and there's a lot of ways to, well, there's at least, you know, some ways to be attacking Briar um, as well as ways to build decks that allow you to still probably play a lot of the heroes that you want to. Um, and yeah, I think this. I think it was expected that probably there wouldn't be any changes this time around. But again, Alices have said February 2nd, post those two national championships, before the release of Everfest, um, it looks like there's
0: going to be another review. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Or I know you said it was good news. I'm assuming you're in favor. But do you think that there's anything that potentially needed to be banned in Classic Instructed or Blitz?
1: Yeah, so Blitz is is one for me. So I was maybe, if, if there's any surprises for me, maybe Duskblade not being banned in Blitz um although we saw a blitz season in terms of skirmish season three where you know a lot of different decks did win i think so they actually have the the hero and win rates win rates on uh, fab tcg which is cool to see so briar did have the most win percentage at 37 but then it's not actually another another rune blade for four heroes so you've got dorinthia very close behind briar then old time uh, not far behind that and then ira uh you know traditional ira and kano there as well before you even get to chain um and you know i think for surprise not even on the list so i guess the the concern on dust is obviously how that plays into certain strategies and uh that could just be metagame for sure so maybe that's the experience i've had I, as i said a couple of weeks ago my blitz testing was basically non-existent it's just through gameplay and through the skirmishes that i've played um there's, there's some issues with dust blade and the way that that plays and limits strategies but you know you look at the results across the across the globe and we've had a pretty healthy and balanced metagame and and even the events that i played in were pretty a lot of a lot of representation of different heroes and and people getting on the decks that they like to like to play or want to play. um maybe they've changed since last season. but, yeah, I think seeing those results of Durinthea, old time Ira, kano, um and then and then chain, Lexi, etc. it's good to see different heroes winning the events. So look, I think in terms of, I didn't expect it to be banned at Display, but I thought it m- probably needed to be, to be honest, um but also happy to you know have that roll through and then maybe we we see what happens as we enter into another blitz season um and maybe it is maybe it's too strong maybe it's fine maybe Everfest releases some cards that you know uh, allow some of the heroes who are maybe struggling into Dustblade with the Rune Blades and Blitz to sort of thrive and it
0: won't be an issue yeah i'm interested to know the the community's reaction because i i, I am unwilling to go back on facebook cuz it's a little too crazy over there but I remember that there was a lot of noise around um, changes to Briar, you know, whether it's a ban or it's an errata. So I wonder if that's been quelled over the, uh, you know, kind of the fulfillment of the national season, you know, the ending of the classic constructed competitive season, if there, you know, some of the other heroes performing uh, was enough. But, you know, or if the majority of people still want, you know, the calling for the, an errata on Briar or something of that nature.
1: Yeah, I think the general sentiment from what I've seen, is so i think that's the wrong words general sentiment often you know um there's loud voices right in terms of reactions to these sort of things and i think you're definitely seeing those in terms of some uh pretty negative feelings i guess about there being no changes to the game and in, in relation to briar so that whether that be bannings uh whether that be an errata which we we discussed if you haven't heard we talked about that quite a bit at length in the community hot seat episode and I think we're both firmly against any sort of erratas uh, just for what that does for the the game and the long term of the game but yeah I think people a certain group of people were definitely expecting to see some change whether it be a banning probably most likely you know something like a you know Rosetta Thorn banning etc so I think there's still those conversations flying around and I think those are healthy conversations to have in post this announcement because LSS have given some reasoning behind their decision to make no changes and whether that I guess, uh, gives people the information they wanted to see in terms of helping them, uh, I guess, maybe come to terms with that or they still disagree, I think, to have the discourse is important. Uh, It's probably just framing it in terms of, you know, um, a bit more of a constructive light rather than a a, a destructive sort of take on it Uh, because at the end of the day, we still have, you know, we have two nationals left. Uh, It's only two nationals at the end of the day, but then you have Everfest coming out. And there's an opportunity for
0: Everfest to, again, change the meta. So I'd uh, be interested to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, the impact of Everfest on the meta is likely going to be very high if we just look back at Crucible. But, um, you know, who knows? It could. Uh, it's always, you know, new territory, but these supplemental sets are just massive, usually massively impactful in the classic mm-hmm. construction format. It's going to be interesting, too, with all of the heroes getting a piece, right? Um, or all the classes. I can't remember if it's all the heroes or all the classes, but one or the other... Um, it does look like that pretty much everybody will get something to work with from Everfest.
1: Well, the classes, yeah. And speaking of Everfest, uh, Brendan, we do officially have our our preview card. Well, we don't have our preview card, but we will have a preview uh, for Everfest, which is really cool. So we do also get to do something pretty awesome. Uh, I think we're allowed to say this. Yeah, open a pack, eh? (laughs) We get to open a pack as well. So we have a preview card. I believe it's on the 28th of January. Uh, And then we're also going to be able to, yeah, open a pack, uh, which I think we'll probably do live on well not live but we'll do it on time in the round uh, that week so that it goes up on the, the appropriate day because that sort of falls in line with when we're allowed to open our pack um, and we'll see what you know So, what Everfest holds for us hopefully we uh, we pull something nice
0: and juicy yeah 100% I didn't see if we were kind of CC'd on the same email there but uh, I'm not sure if we have one or we have two <laughs> I was actually kind of trying to check on my phone here but uh, definitely one I got you know I got the same email as you in terms of opening the pack which is sweet um, yeah Important to note that they, I think that the reason that we're able to open the pack, which is super exciting, hope we get to do it every time, but it is because they are switching over to the, um, what would you call it, recyclable pack, yeah, yeah, the paper yeah. packaging. Um, so yeah, that'll be sweet. Yeah, I'm, cool. I'm glad to get that in hand. And
1: obviously we had a discussion or a little chat about that in the news a couple of weeks ago. It's something that I'm, you know, interested to see what happens. I'm excited by the prospect of the change and we'll see if, uh, if it lives up to, I guess, the quality that's needed, um, which will be good. Moving on, just wanted to you know last week and the week before to shout out as we come to the end of the year, uh, we start to start to unwind through this, I guess, off season for Brendan at least. Uh, there's still a few more weeks for me. That, from a content perspective, we'd love to hear what you'd like to see from us next year. So in 2022, uh, we do have some ideas for what we want to do with our content. You know, in terms of the the videos we make, the podcasts we do, just the the general content and the extra content that we do provide. But also, we want to make sure that we are uh, we. I guess creating the things that people want to see, that our viewers and listeners want to get. We want to always make sure that we're trying to add some value. So if you do us some feedback for us in terms of what you'd like to see in 2022, ideas, uh, you know, content you want covered, then let us know. Either drop a, a comment on YouTube, click us a tweet if you want to, uh, you, or you can even send us an email to arsenalpassfab at gmail.com. Um, we did have some great responses last week and there's, there's some ideas that are already sort of bubbling to the surface. I did want to say, you know, we are what two weeks away from the end of the year. We do have a couple of cool things lined up to close out the year. Um, we're just sort of finalizing those right now, right, Brendan? Um, I think we're definitely going to do some sort of farewell to Welcome to Race, for sure. Uh, and we're going to try and, I guess, have a little bit more entertainment coming to our content to end the year uh, just while the competitive season starts to slow down before we get to everfest and then we'll ramp right back up as we head into everfest so that's exciting we do have one last deck, deck to come for the year which we are finalizing at the moment so do look out for that before
0: we wrap up 2021 awesome well in classic fashion and with us ending the year here i do want to shout out Arsenal Pass YouTube channel as we creep up to those 3,000 subscribers. Our goal for the year um, is to reach 3,000. We are so, so, so close. So if you enjoy our content and and it's impacted you in a positive way and you're not subscribed, please subscribe because that definitely helps us out a ton. Crazy to think that Arsenal Pass was actually started in 2021. And here we are heading into 2022. Mm -hmm. And speaking of shilling, Hayden, if you listen to the podcast service on um, services such as Apple, uh, if you would love to leave us a review, that'd be fantastic. You know, um, I think we're finally kind of pushing that SEO side of the uh, the podcast and the business, whatever you want to call it. But you know, reviews are obviously the best thing that you can do um, for content that impacts you in a positive way as a mouthful to get out
1: <laughs> you know if it if it doesn't impact you in a negative way uh you can still leave us a positive review that's okay with me but <laughs> no um <laughs> it's something that we've been not great at but we're being told uh we need to do it more as we we, we sort of grow so
0: we're we're getting better at it i think yeah, soon enough we'll be taking money from big brands and just saying crazy stuff. No, <laughs> um. So last week's time of the round was with Isaac from the Attack Action podcast. Check it out on YouTube and podcast services near you. But this week we actually have T on um, on time of the round. T uh, T, and his last name is his last name starts with the It's like Trooper or something. I just I just don't want to misquote it right now. Um, but a somewhat local player to me. He's um. I feel like he was in Minnesota, but I met him a few times in the road to national season. Uh, And he has a pretty funny story because he went to a lot of road to nationals and the way he calls it, he was always the bridesmaid. So got a lot of third, fourth places, a lot of second places, I think more than anybody in the United States and wasn't able to squeeze out that, that number one, but ultimately an extremely good player, a very kind of um, articulate player as well. And someone I respect a lot. So I decided to have him on. Um, and I think that we'll have some good conversations on the future episodes. Look out for it this weekend. And finally, just want to shout out the Arsenal Pass Patreon. Thank you all, thank you all so much to who are, who are subscribed. Um, it means the world to us. The Arsenal Pass Patreon does have tons of extra content, including an extra podcast each month, live session, as well as if we throw up a deck tech on the Arsenal Pass YouTube channel, on the Patreon, we do host a cyborg guide, a write-up on the deck theory, matchups, ratios, pretty much everything you need to pick up the deck and start being competitive. Anyway, Hayden, it is a bit cloudy out here in Texas today, but I do still smell that sizzle. Why don't you take us over to the commander cookout section? <laughs> well,
1: actually, Brendan, it might be a false alarm. Uh, no commander cookout this week, as we often do <laughs> with, our, uh, with our deep dive episodes. We want to dedicate as much time as possible to the class deep dive. But if you do have a question that you want to get in before the end of the year, then please do. You can either drop a question in the comments below on YouTube, you can tweet at us, or you can send us a email if you like to arsenalpassfab at gmail.com questions about you know the game about uh brendan's hairstyle about anything you want um you know very likely that you'll get your question on i think we don't have too much of a backlog so uh yeah and if you did ask a question in the past and we haven't answered your question uh there's a chance i've missed it so please you know add us and uh, remind us of of some of those questions if uh if we haven't covered them i know there was a a couple that might have got lost in in
0: comments or emails so yeah, we'd love to have your questions and get them on the show. hmm It's funny because like I have the notes in front of me and I can see there's no command and cookout section, but I just want to keep trying to <laughs> rip in those intros because they're just so fun to do. But Hayden, <laughs> let's go ahead and head into the main topic of the pod. Before we before we talk about it at all, why don't you tell me about your experience with guardian? Because you were a bit of a you are a bit of a guardian, um a guardian proponent, especially in the early days. I was actually I remember when I went to um when I went to the calling 2020 in New Zealand. Uh, The one thing that me and Sasha were afraid of was Hayden bringing over Guardian or bringing over Brute, which I knew you were leaning towards Brute, which has been a nightmare. But I heard back then that you are a bit of a Guardian player.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so my history with Guardian, I guess, is basically Guardian was the first Constructed deck that I picked up. So Bravo was the first uh, post sort of the limited calling season as we headed into that Constructed calling for the very first time. Um, I knew I wouldn't be going uh, just because of, of circumstances. You know, I actually had my, my best friend's wedding. So, you know, I had to make a choice. And at the time, I guess Flesh and Blood was still pretty new to me. Uh, but I started to go to locals and, and playing the game and doing some testing and, and just trying to learn more about the game and the format. And obviously it was so undiscovered. So I was really interested. And um, I, I looked at Bravo and just thought, you know, Anathos was such an interesting weapon. Uh, the weapons, I think, were really the draws for those first four heroes and how you wanted to or thought you wanted to play the game, I guess, and build your strategies um, and obviously just, I guess, understanding was so rudimentary, especially from my side, I, I didn't really understand much. All I knew was I had a tectonic plating, uh, I had the cards, you know, I was getting the cards to build Bravo. Um, I was going to build it and play it. And I know, and I'm sure you can talk about this in the history, uh, you can't talk about Guardian without talking about Caelan McReath. And, uh, mm. he was probably one of the only people who was sort of, I guess, an early content creator in a way, right? Like creating discourse and discussing what was happening with Guardian, um, and Bravo. And, uh, I had a, I had a different take probably to what, what. KO had and I had this uh, build of of Bravo that was a bit more sort of tempo based it was maybe similar to some of the old time lists that you you might see in uh, late 2021 in the the national season Um, where I tried to you know often come in with Anathos or come in with uh, you know I even had E-Strikes in the deck for instance Um, had a cyborg package that was a bit more aggressive for certain matchups but yeah it was a it was a deck that I really enjoyed playing I thought there was a a lot of strategy that drew me towards it uh, if it wasn't yeah, if it wasn't going to be Brute that I was going to play, then it was going to be Guardian. So it's kind of my, my history with Guardian really in terms of just the starting point. And I played Bravo for basically all of Welcome to Wraith. Um, eventually I had to pick up and play the rest of the heroes as well during that sort of Welcome to Wraith time before Arcane Rising came out. And then I sort of put down the Guardian when uh, when Arcane Rising came out and didn't really touch it again until, you know, pretty much pretty recently with Monarch coming out.
0: Mm-hmm. Did, that, uh, did that Guardian deck have Drone of Brutality in it?
1: So uh, some builds that I played of Guardian did have Drone of Brutality in it and the the more aggressive build did because uh, I wasn't playing last ditch effort in that build and I wasn't playing this control build. I was playing quite a aggressive go through the deck build. So I had, yeah, E-strikes, had uh, two red drone, uh, had, what else did I have in it? Uh, I had a package of uh, Scarfra Scars
0: in my sideboard as well even. So... <laughs> I mean, it was pretty common back then. All right, let's go ahead and head into it with what makes the Guardian class unique. And there's actually quite a few things. So first off is kind of the the one that's in everybody's face, and that's going to be Dominate and Evasion. We all know these huge, very popular Guardian Dominate attacks like Crippling Crush, Spinal Crush, um, you name it, right? So the Guardian class having Evasion and being able to go over the top um, through the use of the Dominate keyword is very core to the class.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think when we talk about, we talk about evasion a lot, right? And mm-hmm. that's probably coming from other TCGs. So if you're not familiar with what evasion is, basically it's a way to evade defensive, you know, maneuvers effective from your, from your opponent, right? So of course, dominate allows only one, one card from hand to be used to defend. So that causes some issues for a lot of classes and for other classes, it's not such a big deal. Um, but of course, you know, you also have like arcane damage, you have these other forms of evasion as well. But Dominate is the original piece of evasion, right, from Welcome to Wraith, and it's it's a really interesting one in terms of those the pairing it with on hit effects with the crush and also pairing it with a breakpoint. It makes Guardians so unique because with other classes, you see, you see breakpoints matter, right? You see four attack matter or you see seven attack matter, uh, and then with other classes, you know, maybe similarly you see on hit effects matter of course right so you know whether that be ninja with uh katsu's ability or muscle Momentum or be warrior with getting the second count on dawn blade or you know triggering triggering the warrior's valor that you've played etc but of course in the form of guardian you have both right you have these on hit effects but you have a break point which is it needs to be four or more damage with yeah the crush effects so it's so unique crush yeah
0: yeah so yeah this um this crush keyword is is very important right um i think Pretty much every guardian uh, guardian attack is, you know, is predicated on this, you know, hitting for four or more. Other than Terra Center, I think Terra Center just comes over. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really it's really interesting, right? Because if you look at something like Ranger, right, you just come over by one and you get your on hit effect. But in Guardian, it needs to be over four, which is the trade off, right, for having such powerful on hit effects that do so much damage. Um, is that you have to satisfy that threshold of dealing four or more to your opponent? Yeah, it's very thematic.
1: right? you're a big. <laughs> Big uh, muscly Anathos, uh, sorry, uh, Bravo, or uh, an old time. You know, you're you're a giant, a Goliath, and you're you're putting the beat down on. And I guess old time is is similar in some ways, right? Like you have a lot of on hit effects there as well. Uh, they just require fusion, or uh, they don't have the break points like we saw in in Welcome to Wraith. And I think that's a a really nice piece of design space that LSS have uh, you know explored, or even a card like Thump, which comes at which comes in Tales of Aria, but isn't. Uh, elemental so it's just a guardian class card and has that uh you know that on hit effect if if the power is greater so uh there's still some some really nice thematic pieces playing in there and, and plays into i guess some some interesting design space within guardian as well which i'm sure we're going to talk about when we get into the deck building
0: side of it well, yeah, speaking of being a big, muscly Anathos, no, I'm just kidding. Um, another <laughs> another standout point for Guardian is big attacks, right? I mean, Guardian is kind of one of the only classes we see that you know, consistently across a lot of its cards, you see you know, 9 damage, 11 damage, 8 damage, like these huge attack values, right?
1: If you didn't see, if you were introduced to the game and you didn't look at Guardian... And you looked at, you know, you looked at Ninja and then you looked at Warrior and then you looked at, you know, Brute and you looked at these other classes and then you looked at Guardian. You'd be like, wow, I didn't, you know, if maybe it took you three weeks before you got to look at Guardian cards, I think you'd be taken aback by the five in the top left hand corner. Uh, sorry, the top right hand corner, like looking at the cost of these cards uh, because it's, it's so different to a lot of the other uh, costings of cards in this game. I mean, how many cards cost seven in this game, Brendan? You know, so, so few. Uh, how many cards? How many? Yeah, two, in fact, how many cards cost five? Right, so these these card costings only happen in Guardian, um, which is really interesting to see. You know, four of course as well. So it's um it's what makes it's what makes the class so unique. You know, as well as in the the cost structure of going tall on one big attack as a as a Guardian might, um, yeah. which is something that I yeah again I really like about the the design space
0: yeah it might cost it might cost seven but it also hits for 11 and potentially takes two cards out of your opponent's hand so speaking of that i mean disruptive on hit effects right we have discard effects we have no go again we have preventing draw um i mean there's just a slew of on hit effects with guardians printed on most of their uh kind of attack action class cards so you know, being i think it you know it speaks like a more of a core concepts where it's sort of controlling the game, um, not necessarily through fatigue, which definitely is a strategy the Guardian can employ, but through aggression, you're able to um, control what your opponent is able to do on their turn, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's important. We're going to talk through as we go about, I guess, what, the, what Guardian has looked like currently, but then also I think it's important that we know that there's a lot of design space that's pretty unexplored with Guardian. Guardian's been pretty one-dimensional, I think, in terms of what we've seen to date with Bravo being implemented mostly as a sort of i guess a control to control fatigue deck um, whereas we're starting to see that change and obviously all, the introduction of all time most recently gives even more ability for that to change i think because you don't have these rush effect uh break points, so you don't need to deal four damage you look at something like a, a snow under right a red snow under comes in for seven uh for three you can fuse a card have an on hit effect and um that that break point is now just you know, a traditional breakpoint that you really would like to see, where it requires three cards or a defense reaction plus a card to stop that breakpoint. And obviously, there's a lot more like that as well with uh, with old time and um, the elemental guardian cards, which I think is really important to to remember. And and there is in terms of disruptive on hit effects. I mean, there's almost everything in guardian. You've got mm-hmm. you know loss of hero ability. You've got create frostbite tokens. You've got a commander conquer type effect and disable. So there's just you know the the guardian really is the the
0: disruptive card um, class of of flesh and blood. Yeah, speaking of unexplored design space, the most, in my opinion, is actually going to be pumps, right? Like Guardian has a ridiculous amount of, uh, of pump cards in it, right? Usually kind of, you know, investing for the turn um, after. But, you know, we see the card Thump come out in Tales of Aria. But even before then, you know, we had these kind of emerging dominance, emerging power, all these cards that are allowing you to, you know, invest in this turn right now and then on the following turn have a very good rate on buffing your next Guardian attack.
1: Yeah. yeah, we didn't really see it in Constructed much and I think there's a few reasons for that. I think it's it maybe requires second cycle play or it requires uh, different types of deck building so you are much less defensive. I actually forgot, but I, I did play a bit of Guardian with Crucible as well. And one of the cards that I really liked and, and played with quite a bit was Come to Fight uh, because mm-hmm. one for three plus... It uh, read, you know, you put that on your, um, your crush confidence or, or whatever it might be. You're turning these into 10 attacks. You put it on a, a crippling crush, You're turning it into a 14 attack. And the, I guess the, the, the pump that you're giving it, I think is hugely relevant. And, and we didn't, haven't really seen this, this class explored, sorry, this, this archetype explored in terms of, I guess, going even taller, with um, yeah. the emerging dominances, is the, the emerging powers, et cetera, even the come to fights. Uh, but it'd be. I think it's interesting to see where that design space could be because obviously you have new sort of I guess that aura based sort of strategy, which I think we're gonna talk about, is um is getting more and more cards with embolden and of course you have Forge for War and and things that have already been printed showtime emerging avalanche
0: strength sequoia like yeah. i mean they're definitely pushing this as a potential archetype but i really feel like we haven't see it come to fruition yet does that mean it's a uh, you know its potential has been realized and it's not a thing i don't think so i think it's just it's a weird way to play right like it's um It doesn't really fit into the current playstyle and the current meta, but eventually, right, there's so many tools to work with in that toolbox um, that I I believe that archetype will eventually come to fruition. That being said, I think this all uh, relates to a sort of more core value in Guardian, which is just investing for the future, right? Investing for your future turns. This is most easily explained through something like Tectonic Plating, the key legendary armor piece of Guardian. But Paying a resource now or pl- paying a card now to invest in the, f- in the turn that's coming up, whether you're doing that on the second cycle or just you've built your deck to be consistent enough, is a key feature of Guardian. Um, you know, like the, the cost, like if we look at the kind of the marquee card, Crippling Crush, right? Like seven is a very annoying cost, right? Because that's going to be three cards, right? Unless you're having some sort of reduction or you have a tunic or something like that, but tectonic plating investing on the pr- turn prior to that, having the seismic surge token is going to, is going to allow you to play cl- crippling crush um, with two cards, right? For that six cost. So it's taking you, taking you down from that break point of a cross, which is uh, of a cost, which is seven and taking you down to six. So very, very important.
1: Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention, we, we can't go past without talking about towering Titan either. That's the, that's the one we didn't talk about, but that's the <laughs> biggest investment for the future. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hundred percent, and that definitely the highest variance as well. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about towering titan. I think a lot of us know it as sort of a meme card in um, in blitz, but surely like that is uh, definitely kind of a build around card. But also, it's it's tough, right? Because you know your towering titan is going to cost nine, and it's hard to get off. And then you you are definitely subject to getting smacked on the turn. Um, you know, that's your opponent's turn after that and before your turn, we really get to get to go off.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about some of the, the archetypes that can be used around that because I think there's, some, there's definitely some ways to build it and, and help prevent some of that stuff. And, and there's some great cards that Guardian has access to. But yeah, anyway, yeah anything else, I guess, in terms of the uniqueness of, of Guardian as a class?
0: yeah so i think the last point for me is going to be efficient attacking weapons so we look at something like anathos i mean the guard like bravo for a long time you saw a lot of bravo decks that were built around just like utilizing anathos because the raid on it was so good you know it's um it's three for four but potentially three for six we see this on a lot of um guardian weapons now so sledge of anvilheim if you don't have the kind of cost curve in your deck to consistently turn on anthos and you have a lot of blue such as amhive can be very powerful and with the addition of tales Var, we now have winter's whale and titan's fist we see guardian as a class that can be truly built around its weapons i think
1: yeah they just it's the it's the tall efficiency right it's the same with defending uh, because of course you have these defense reactions like staunch response that you know can be Two for five at blue or two for seven at red, but then also can be you know six resources for ten at red. So, uh, you get these efficiencies both defensively, obviously, all the cards, the class cards, uh, defend three, but then also you have the efficiency of the attacking weapons as well. And, and Winter's Whale, of course, is, is the new one for all time. It's a, it's a break point at four, has a really relevant on hit effect and ice. And yeah, I think
0: it'd be interesting to see what weapon we might get next for Guardian, to be honest yeah it'd be wild you did mention something important there which is the defensive value of guardian's cards i mean this is in line with a lot of other classes in flush but it's important to note that pretty much all of guardian's cards or i believe all of their class cards do actually block for three and guardian is full of efficient defense reactions in the form of staunch response um, turn timber and to an an extent biting gale but yeah important to keep in mind that that's that does fuel guardian's ability to play these attrition and defensive strategies Mm -hmm. yeah exactly Awesome. And on to my favorite section of our class deep dives, it's going to be the history. So Guardian's history. I would start out by saying welcome to Wraith. Guardian was really the first kind of defensive uh, class that was, uh, I don't know, discovered right so to bring you back to old 2019 uh welcome to wraith comes out dorinthia tall dorinthia specifically is just rampant i mean all you think that the noise is bad now about people complaining about briar you should have been there in 2019 when people complained about warrior it was (laughs) brutal there there seemed to be no answer in sight and here comes along the guardian class we pack full our defense reactions we get our blocking on and boom It, it looks like it looks like. Guardian is able to kind of dominate these, prev- these prevailing warrior strategies. We get a little bit of correction as Ninja now finds its space in the meta. We see Ninja going wide, giving Guardian a pretty tough time. But I would say that, I would say in Welcome to Wraith, Guardian was the first kind of control deck of Flesh and Blood.
1: Definitely. It definitely was. Yeah, that was how it was being built. And I actually think what the setup or the, the history of Guardian in terms of the way it's been built, Bravo in particular, is how we've kind of carried on through until even recently, until probably Tales of Aria, Guardian has been, or Monarch maybe, Guardian has been very, uh, pretty one-dimensional, I'd say, pretty defensive in nature, pretty controlling in nature, very focused on weapon and, and deck stacking and um, end games uh, and, and these big tall attacks.
0: Mm-hmm. So Hayden, take me back to Haydendale 2019. <laughs> I mean, you're a beautiful young bachelor, actually not a bachelor, because of course, you know, whatever. But... <laughs> How was Guardian received? You know, like what, what was the general thoughts around Guardian in Constructed as you went through those early days of flesh and blood, you played those limited callings, and we started to kind of ramp up for our first constructed calling. What did people what did people think of Guardian? Was it popular in the meta? Was it strong? Was it seen as oppressive? Or was it underpowered? Um, give me your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, just one question there, so I'll answer. <laughs> uh no, I can give you a bit of a I guess a description of what Guardian set. I think it... It was probably, like you say, Warrior was the first sort of class, I think, to get the exposure and probably, you know, start to dominate local scenes and things like that. Uh, just because of, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this before, just how hard it can be to defend that class and and um, playing into it can be, you know, not as easy with Reprise and things like that. So that was pretty popular. But then I would say probably uh, Guardian was kind of the next class. And again, just due to some of the exposure on social media and things like that, where where Bravo became quite prominent as like this controlling option. And people were looking for archetypes, right? Because if you came from other TCGs, you, you're familiar with like aggro archetypes or control archetypes or combo archetypes. And so this fit quite nicely into a bit more of a traditional sort of controlling archetype where you played for the end game. You preserved life. You even had life gain available to you. You had these defense reactions. You had these great defensive cards. Um, so I'd say it probably felt like it had a spot in the meta. I don't think people thought it was dominant. They thought it was very efficient especially at, at attacking warrior uh but then people started playing ninja right and then guardian felt like had a, a weaker matchup to to traditional ninja lists back in the day uh and then rhino was kind of underexplored and welcome to wraith so it almost like you had this kind of it appeared on the surface like a paper scissors rock format probably in the first few months of of flesh and bloods um as constructed inception
0: yeah absolutely it was a pretty popular deck at that i mean i think at the first kind of constructed calling and i i know we we said the first constructed calling but uh, the, the fact of the matter is on the timeline COVID hit after that so we didn't see con, you know competitive constructed events for quite a while uh but there was really the big three there was ninja there was warrior and there was guardian and then brute had kind of just fallen by the wayside not because of its power level but mostly as a popularity contest it was kind of losing out but guardian was definitely up there there was a lot of guardian players as a very um, kind of competent deck very popular deck and um yeah, I mean, then we head into Arcane Rising and Crucible of War, we see the fall of Guardian in terms of its popularity and the rise of old Dash.
1: Yeah, Dash really put a bit of a damper on anyone sort of maining Bravo, I guess, as you as you might say, just the nature of Induction Chamber and, and out-controlling the control deck effectively. And I think this is where Bravo players and Guardian players had to try and pivot and, and change up what they were doing uh, in terms of, you know the the style of deck they're playing with Bravo because they can no longer take the game long and get through to the second cycle uh that efficiently because these dash players were just coming in with, you know, wide attacks and there's nothing Guardian really dislikes more than wide attacks to be honest, unless they can sort of crack back tougher, you know, with these crush effects. But of course the Dash players were able to basically play a control deck and play unmovables and, and things like this and stop these crush effects. So just the nature of these dash decks and what the guardian decks looked like early on into the arcane rising and then even crystal meta is that uh they really lined up nicely into these these bravo decks and uh we probably had the opportunity i think to see bravo shift but it maybe didn't quite have the tool set yet uh you know didn't have Mm -hmm. tools to go wide or anything you did have as i was actually about like come to fight um there was some some cards some tools there where i think you could do something a little bit different but uh, probably didn't quite see it to the extent that maybe you might have needed to for it to prevail over, over Dash. So that was kind of, I think, yeah, that was what sort of took Guardian down. And Guardian had a pretty quiet sort of year or so through Arcane Rising Crucible and even uh, probably until
0: basically the Road to National season with Monarch. Yeah, I would say even before so monarch releases, I mean, I think the dragon stirs a bit, right? We do <laughs> get some of those pieces to to become aggressive. We have Rousey agents, we have Zealous belting, and of course, um, Out Muscle as well. Come into the card pool, and we see Guardian. Guardian becomes a what what somewhat considered to be a dominant force in the early early monarch meta, right? Like, I mean, the, uh, I think a lot of us can call back to the tournament that was streamed in New Zealand. Um, where Dan used, I think it's Dice Star Games. That was it, correct? Um, yeah. So we're it was basically a show off between Prism and Guardian, and Guardian actually looked to be beating up on Prism. It was the counter to Prism. Funny enough, because the, the tables turn a little bit as we head later into the Monarch meta. Mm-hmm. But we see its rise in popularity. It's countered to the bully of the format, Prism, um, and of course, its new agar cards you know, carrying it across. And we have the the ever ever popular camel Creith, piloting it on stream to that big win so guardian was looking very good in the early monarch yeah it got some great tools in the
1: form of you know we'll talk about the cards soon but like zeal's beltings out muscles these cards that rouse the ancients these attacks that uh, fit into probably a traditional sort of shell to a degree but allow it to just morph a little bit into these sort of i guess wider or uh, ability to play multiple attacks a turn and then that that also helps anathos right it just is efficient so um, played in nicely with Pummel where we were starting to see Pummel sort of Guardian decks already come to
0: the forefront of what people were doing with Bravo so yeah really interesting I think mm-hmm. and then we here we are now in Tales of Arya. Old Hymn is released uh, but we also get some very very key cards in Guardian we're talking Terra Sundered Rampart of the Ram set so Guardians, Guardian's biggest issue I think for a long time since the we could argue the, the release of Arcane Rising but more the release of Crucible War was that infamous dash matchup but here we are we have a tool rampart of the ram's head hayden how did did rampart of the ram's head kill dash was that the the dash killer as we all thought it would be i was gonna say spoiler alert
1: um <laughs> no i mean once you sort of played a few games and and realized sort of if you fit that into an existing bravo shell uh, nothing really changed the game still went long the you know the ability for these the dash player to get out three induction chamber and three plus purifier and just overcome that that efficiency of uh, ramp up was actually pretty strong so yeah no it definitely didn't kill dash uh despite you know the the videos and the uh the the
0: farewells to dash uh it did not and dash had a pretty good season yeah but we also see there's a new guardian on the block now mr Oldheim, and may i say this is calling champion old time as well so mm. Definitely, uh, definitely a good addition to the guardian class. You would <laughs> argue based on statistics.
1: Yeah, it's funny the the two constructor coins we've had post a set coming out have both been won by new heroes from that from that format. So prism and then um, and then old time. So it's actually pretty interesting uh, when you look back on it. Interesting. To see what happens to the next constructor calling. But yeah, we get we get old time. Uh, it, I guess it appears like a difficult class to build. People, you know, saying, oh, it takes an hour and a half to play a game with old time. You have to cycle through your deck multiple times. You have to set up these oak and old turns or these in games. It's really hard to close games out with old time. Uh, And then we see Michael Hamilton come up to the Calling Orlando and, you know, he's got these strikes in his deck. He's got Command and Conquers. He's got these more efficient attacks, I guess, paired with the Winter's Wail. And um, and he's not struggling to close out matches. So we see that actually, in fact, you know, there is a, a way to build old time that's a bit more tempo based um whereas maybe the initial thoughts was to be really really control heavy and i think that's just a, a sort of i guess a side effect of what we've seen with guardian in the past and that's really a default sort of stance to take with guardian but um we've seen that it can be a bit
0: different which is i i think awesome yeah well shout out to michael on his win on old time the if i remember correctly i do think that he actually picked apart and absolutely destroyed one of my friends <laughs> so rip to him <laughs> Uh, Um, I think
1: you'll find that friend
0: uh, whiffed three Sonatas two on one turn. But, you know, that's okay. That's all lost to the details at this point. So let's head into the fun facts. We really can't speak about Guardian without speaking about its most famous specialist, Camel Creeth, probably the most famous specialist in all of Flesh and Blood and the most loyal too. Um, Camel Creeth has literally been on Guardian since day one and a big proponent of the community, likely if you play Flesh and Blood um, and if you're even slightly interested in Guardian. You probably know of Camel Creeth, a big you know, big guy in the Discord always posting an amazing amount of information, right? You know, just all of his lists, his sideboard guides, literally everything you need to know. But the dude has not swayed from that class since day one and has seen a ton of success. Yeah. I mean, he knows it inside and out. And I think
1: the what Kale provides to the community is, is discourse, right? Creates a lot of, I guess, discussion around Guardian, asks a lot of questions, provides a lot of answers as well. And I think that's so important to classes. We don't really have, I guess, as well-known class specialists as, as Kale and definitely not ones that have been as successful as as Kale. I mean, uh, you could probably argue Jacob who Jacob Pearson, who's now a developer for Legend Story Studios in the game, was also a pretty big proponent of Guardian, and it was mm-hmm. probably those two who really drove along innovations in Guardian. Um, but outside of that in other classes, we probably haven't seen it as much. A fun fact, though, for you is that the first time I played, actually the first two sanction matches I've played against Kale um you'll be interested by this. The first, he was playing Katsu, and the second he was playing Rainer, so uh, I bet you didn't expect that.
0: <laughs> well, the um I remember the first time I went to New Zealand I played at an armory. Uh and I remember <laughs> I just kinda got dropped off there by James, actually. I forget why I was there. Uh but we had like the general Swiss rounds and actually after the tournament ended, I actually spent a few hours um uh, at the store playing against Kale McCreath with ninja mid-range ninja versus guardian. Um, because back then everybody thought that mid-range just asked, just destroyed guardian. It was a really tough matchup. And Kale was kind of the only one that was really, uh, pulling off some wins, um, in that match. But yeah, that was how I met him. I think we played like four or five games there. But, uh, yeah, I just want to mention as well. we talked about a little bit guardians role in the monarch menace, So it did look like it was going to be like kind of the top deck for a while. Um, 'Cause it looked like it beat up on Prism and had good matches into pretty much everything else. This is obviously before a chain with the sort of chain final I don't know, final draft was discovered. But then we have a we have a flip the, the script flips right, Hayden. <laughs> it turns out that uh, you know Bravo's counter in that meta is actually Prism. Um, but I still think, despite that, we did see a criminally low amount of Bravos in the um, in the Vegas calling, as well as a lot of Bravos on the fatigue strategy. When I believe that the aggressive strategy in Monarch and you know aggressive slash mid range was actually stronger into chain.
1: Yeah, I think that was kind of probably the the end result that most people came to and, and a lot of people came to that earlier on or like this kind of hybrid approach where you get in damage early and then you sort of start to um, shut up shop a little bit and utilize the fact that the, da- the sorry, the chain player can't use their lifetail as much of a resource towards the end of the game because they've already taken damage so they can't be sitting cards and, and banish etc. So yeah, that's probably the position in the Monarch meta. Um, but yeah, anyway, should we, I guess, move on to talking about some of the key or well, how to build and some of the key cards uh, in in Guardian across both Bravo and All Time.
0: Well, let's do it. But first, let's let's start off. Start me off with the marquee piece of armor, the OG, the OGL card, the one that everybody wanted to pick up. Actually, I think it was probably one of the least desirable legendaries to get out of the box in Welcome to Wraith. But one of the most marquee pieces of equipment we've had it since the game's inception. Tell me about tectonic plating. Yeah, I think it was probably fourth. I think it probably had tunic, then uh
1: Braveforge braces, then mask momentum, then the tectonic plating. <laughs> Originally. Oh, you think scab- scabbies were scabbies fell, fell to the fell yeah, to the wayside, probably. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, so tectonic plating I think is pretty like you said in the the top of the show, right? When you talked about some of the, the things that make Guardian unique, you have this piece of equipment that defends really well because of Battle Worn 1 and, and naturally defensive two, and then has this ability to you know, delay your resource return to give you that resource next turn. So, you know, you have a set up to uh, the, the common play pattern, right? Come with an, pitch two cards, come with Anathos, sorry, make it a seismic surge, come with Anathos um, for six. And then on your follow-up turn, you know, use that seismic surge to your benefit and make something cost less. Be it something like a, you could, for instance, come with a Spinal Crush, uh, pitching two blue cards, giving Dominate and coming in for nine for six, you know, the cost of effectively six because you've got one cost reduction Um, And I think those are some, some cards to probably talk about as well was in Welcome to Wraith specifically, those, those big crush, Marky crush cards were Crippling Crush and Spinal Crush, right? Because of their effects they had on the heroes in the game and the the effect they still have in terms of Crippling Crush being a win condition effectively, you know, it's a card that takes tempo, it's a card that takes, you know, these cards from your, your opponent's hand and deals damage if dominated. And then Spinal Crush likewise does the same thing, right? Comes in for damage and then also can steal tempo from these go wide decks.
0: And tectonic putting is very key to a lot of guardian strategies, because like we talked about at the top of the show, a lot of the cot like Guardian's cards have a lot of cost breakpoints, right? Like the seven or the five. Like it's weird, and the five is relevant too, because if it's if it's a five, you're able to reduce it to four, you're able to pay the dominate, which costs two, and that only is gonna toss cost two cards, right? Four plus two is six, and then boom dominate spinal crush. But this idea of being able to invest into the next turn is just so key to Guardian's identity. Um and tectonic plating and creating the seismic is just the kind of the most visceral example of that that being said like we have to mention as well tectonic plating was you had to play it over tunic which in the old old days Mm -hmm. was a big deal
1: yeah i actually did play some games with tunic and and one of those builds i was talking about earlier with the guardian that was a bit more sort of tempo based i actually played tunic um for a bit but the tectonic plating is just so good because of the defensive value and also the fact that you could in the late game, uh, when you either set up or you you arsenaled a, a crush card, you could you know efficiently set up a resource for next turn, which which was, you know, pretty fantastic. I wanna I wanna do something a little bit different, Brendan. Uh, I'm doing this on the fly. Brendan doesn't know about this, but when we talk through card, key cards for a class, we usually sort of go through them individually. Um, but one of the things that I think is really unique about Guardian is that you have a lot of I guess replacement level effects, and also the blue cards are really really important to what this class does. So. I thought what we could actually do is just have a discussion based on like offensive cards, so win conditions, uh, the resource cards, because there's some really important resource cards at blue, um, and then just some of the defensive cards and
0: uh maybe talk about it that way, which is something a little bit different to what we might usually do. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting how like your resource cards in Bravo are more than just your resource cards, because there's a lot of kind of codependence on the, some of the stats of those research cards, right? Because you can't really play a um, a rousing build or a, Rau- or a zealous belting build when you're going to have you know a bunch of blessing and deliverances or things it's without attack reactions. values that are going to satisfy, yeah, defense reactions as well. Things aren't going to satisfy uh, those requirements, and then that probably leads us in perfectly into our you know the card we're going to talk about next, which is Anathos, and that is heavily dependent on your deck build, in my opinion
1: yeah so the, the 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 blue cards the resource cards that are available to you in in guardian as a class are, are so crucial like you you see how important blues are right the three three pitch cards because first of all like you say you have anathos right which really sort of shouts that out but then also they just print them i mean the bravo especially one of the bravo specializations is, is showtime is a blue card uh you know you've got you talked about terra sunder at the top of the show like you have these cards in and blue is a resource that is so important even the the attacks so you said rouse the ancients but what about blue disable that's that's a really strong piece of uh, offensive um attacking prowess in in blue in a pitch three and and the list kind of goes on right it's uh you know You've got, of course, cranial crush. Cranial crush.
0: Uh, we got the old six for eight.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then even as you you step down to yellow, uh, you know, I think of something like a righteous cleansing, for instance. You know that it's not a blue, right? But it is a yellow, and it's also a very, very big attack uh, with the return rate on it. So it doesn't doesn't just stop there, Brendan, with those those blues. So uh, I want to keep with Bravo for a second and just talk about some of these. You know, ideally, you were playing somewhere between like. I mean, minimum 30, but usually people are playing like 36 to 42 blues in a 60 card deck, right? So, you know, 60%, 70% of the deck was was blue resource cards because of the the cost. I mean, we talked about it earlier, but seven cost cards, five cost cards, these are significantly higher costs than you saw in, in any other deck in the format uh, now or in the past. And, and that's the reason why so many blues were played, right? and i guess the the utility of these blues is, is is really high that's one of the the unique things about guardian as well and we already talked about you know Disable, say said show but you look as we move through into um or even actually before arcane rising staunch response blue really really strong card right and the fact that two for five defense but has that ability to pay an extra four resources to give it the plus three defense buff so you know, you're paying six resources for eight defense, and that's tall defense, right? So really good against dominate, uh really efficient because you don't don't lose three cards to defend for that eight value. Um you only lose one card. Uh even Blessing of Deliverance, Stonewall Confidence, these these blue resource cards that we've seen played before, uh, because they do have some value, you know, when drawn. Some other cards that I think we've in terms of just if you talk about resources uh of course like towering titan we talked about it earlier the the sort of the meme that is towering titan but you know what a turn one towering titan blue uh then coming in for a plus eight on turn two you know your free plus eight damage because you go first something like that it's pretty it's pretty reasonable right so um as well as if you talk about crucible specifically we had stamp authority so another blue majestic uh, that comes in and has a really relevant effect as well as some some more attacks.
0: And then you missed, you missed out on my favorite so far. And I know you're Ooh. about to get to it. So I'm going to cut you off and get there first, which is yep. Terrasander. What a freaking resource card. My goodness. Probably one of the most powerful cards ever printed in Guardian. And also, you don't have to satisfy the crush effect. This is, this is the difference, right? This one only has to come over a few. Um, obviously, old time does kind of break that as well sometimes. But Terra Sunder, what a powerful card. And if we're talking about resource cards that I love to have in my deck, Terra Sunder is uh, number one chef's kiss. Yeah, it's huge.
1: These these majestic level cards, obviously they hold more power. And then when they're in a blue resource card, not only are you getting given a resource card that satisfies what, say, Bravo wanted to, for instance, with a three cost, defense three is blue, has a massive effect for second cycle. Uh, or even in a hand where you just draw four blues okay i draw four blues but actually one of them is a terra Sunder, and this other blue attack you know a blue disable or something is coming in for for eight with dominate uh still a very good return rate. Right? and oh by the way you're losing your arsenal and, and discarding two cards so yeah i think terra Sunder, massive and it just shows exactly the power level of of what bravo can do with their resource cards it doesn't stop there though in tales of Arya, of course you also have card like awakening at uh at blue as well and elemental guardian instant very similar in terms of the fact that that can have a really high ceiling to it at blue of course it doesn't defend so it's maybe it costs you a little bit more to play than some of these other blues we've talked about but then you know you have something like a, a glacial footsteps which we've seen a lot of old-time decks play yeah it's a blue it defends three and then also comes back around in your deck and um you've got an eight attack dominate card potentially so that's uh that's nothing to to sneeze at as it were so yeah i just want to talk about i guess in terms of these these resource cards that we've you know as we've said are so important to guardian and what they want to do and you have so many options because of course you have you know your common and rare cycles but then you also have a lot of majestics that are printed uh, as a blue as well so you know like we said before you could have a hand of all blues and actually the cost i guess in any other deck say like a a ninja for instance is huge to drawing that kind of hand but in guardian guardian is actually often so okay with that uh, because you get to do something like like the Terra under disable uh, like a cranial crush plus pummel or something so um, yeah, I mean it. Just it just is what Guardian can do so well that other classes can't.
0: Hundred percent. And The weapons really work in tandem with right with that as well, right? They're mm-hmm. um they're quite expensive to use. They have high attack values. Um, and you can usually come in for quite a bit of damage, even if you're not drawing the the blue glacial footsteps or some big hitter, big hitting blue. Um, you do always have the Anathos for six or a sledge or something like that.
1: Exactly, yeah so if we if we break down the we might break down the weapons a bit more but then go into some of the I guess the offensive cards because the defensive cards are smaller with Guardian because of course we rely a lot more on our blues and things like that but in terms of Anathos right like it's so like you said before it's so efficient you know a one card attack for four uh, or you know you get to do some of the other stuff and then you come in for six like the, not only are you getting the value of six which feels a bit bad to pitch two cards but if you're creating a seismic surge for next turn or you know you're playing as else belting out for instance, uh, which we, we got with Monarch. Um, you know, two blues, I play my Zealous Belting, I come in for four or five, and then I come in for six. Three cards for 10 or 11 damages. You know, it's above rate, um, and it's also wide damage, which is something that Bravo uh, or Guardian, sorry, do- doesn't have uh, in the past. So it's something that's a little bit different and also
0: just quite strong, quite efficient. Yeah, which, absolutely. What's the use case for Sledge? <laughs> that's that's a funny one to ask me because I thought that for a long time I was like what is the freaking use case of this card? But from my understanding and please correct me if I'm wrong cuz I'm kind of going off the <laughs> you know, going off the dome here is that you know, if you have if you have a significant amount of blues in your deck and you also are not going to be able to meet the requirement of Anathos right, which is two cards pitched with three or more greater cost, um then Sledge of anholm is probably the way to go. Yeah.
1: So I think Sledge is actually really underutilized because one of the things that when you say you take a deck like Bravo, for instance, one of the things that people are considering with the deck building, one of the restraints people place on is like, I need cards that cost three or more because that's what's going to trigger my Anathos. So I need all my resource cards to cost three or more. I want some of even my, my non-resource cards to cost three or more because I pitch them early, set up for late game. And if they don't cost three or more, I'm just not getting return run Anathos and my, my deck is kind of not doing what it needs to be doing um also if you don't play the tectonic plating for any given reason uh you it's hard to sink resources in so say i have two blues in my hand i can't pitch one to tectonic plating then come up with anathos um i could only come up with anathos for four i guess you could you could sink it into the dominate effect right but the return you're getting is pretty weak whereas you know something like a sledge uh, we've seen that used against uh, i guess wizard in particular because people will play the Nullrin robe. So it leaves you with two resources off two blue cards to potentially have floating for any instant speed arcane shenanigans. But the one thing I think with Sledge of Anvilheim that's kind of underexplored is it means you don't have to play cards that cost three or more. So you can start to play maybe a bit more of a, you know, a Zealous Belting orientated deck or maybe, you know, maybe you do put Scarf for Scars in your deck. Maybe E-Strike makes your deck. The deck could look very different and um, maybe maybe old time is uh, ready to
0: pick up the Sledge of Anvilheim and, and uh, take it to town. Who knows? <laughs> yeah i mean that would be pretty cute and i think it actually will happen eventually but speaking of weapons usually utilized by Oldheim, we do have titan's fist and winter's whale Win- winter's whale you know obviously only be only being able to use by Oldheim. but i mean what a freaking powerhouse for weapon if you do have that concentration of ice cards in your deck threatening the on-hit effect with the damage attack of four a very famous breakpoint in flesh and blood just such a good and efficient weapon. And you can, of course, pair it with the old rampart of the ram's head as your shield.
1: Yeah, all guardians have that ability to play that rampart and uh, pair it with either one of them, depending on which which flavor of guardian you're playing. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's really efficient, right? A four attack for three is... Is efficient because of the breakpoint and when it has wind i mean winter's Whale with that one hit effect is just is just huge i think if um i think what we're seeing so far with with old time in particular is that that is kind of dictating how old time is being built uh because of just how powerful winter's whale is i think we might see that change in the future i do think that sledge and and, and old time could be a match made in heaven i uh, think the deck building just looks very very different but i'd be interested to see maybe that's how you start to build these more hybrid based decks as you 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 go away from the winter's whale and you go into more of a uh, uh hybrid base deck and you utilize cards, you know, like Oak and Hold and uh, and whatnot. So yeah, I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what that
0: looks like. Yep, and of course we will quickly touch on Titan's fist, you know, utilized by Bravo when he's playing the shield. But other than that, it is, you know, you're likely gonna be playing the well I'm likely. Very, very likely to <laughs> be playing the Winter's Whale if you're playing Oldheim over the uh, the Titan's fist there.
1: Yeah, and Anathos of course just does the same thing as Winter's Whale at a base cost. So unless you're playing the the Rampart, you just uh, you just want to grab that two-handed weapon, g- grab the Anathos with both hands, as it were, and, and go to town. I want to talk about some of the offensive cards to round it out. So traditionally, of course, with Bravo playing so few you know, uh, red line cards, so really pushing those blue cards. Some of your threats are coming at blue, which we talked about, of course, with like Disables and Cranial Crushes and Terra Sunders, etc. But then when you look at some of the reds and yellows, uh, I think from, you know, we talked about Spinal Crush and Cranial Crush, those are kind of the... The, the originals as it were of the threats uh, but then you move into even some of the other cards in Welcome to Wraith that probably saw less play because of the defensive nature of the, the guardians that have been played so far um, you know like the uh, like the crush confidences of the world These three costs for seven red attacks are so something that we haven't really seen utilized they're really efficient right they come with a potential on hit effect and they're at a breakpoint. so defending for one card doesn't stop the crush effect defending for two cards damage still gets pushed and you've traded you know two cards effectively you know you pitched a card and, and played a card and you've taken two cards from the opponent and pushed a, a point of damage so these crush effects are, are pretty relevant i think it was just the fact that it was really hard to play multiple the the big turn output wasn't there necessarily and if you didn't get the crush effect it was maybe a little bit underwhelming especially with dominate so you know it felt like you couldn't utilize bravo's ability but then you know you move through into i can rising we get commander Conqueror as another potential threat in mm-hmm. in uh guardian and then once you get into, you know, Crucible of War, you get, a, you get a few new sort of uh, toys to play with. You get Mangle, of course, which is such an awesome card. Four costs for eight damage with a crush effect. It changes the breakpoint sort of structure, I guess, in terms of, you know, blocking with a uh, defense reaction now on just a Mangle isn't enough. Uh, and the fact that it costs four. So you pitch two blue cards, you give it Dominate uh, with with Brava's ability, for instance. Uh, the, the, card, the, the card is just really efficient, right? So it's a really great attack. It's something different that we haven't seen from you know from guardian as much to that point uh i think only buckling blow and one of the other ones were the ones that cost four and mangle is a lot more impressive than those cards i guess in terms of what it can do especially you know mid-game uh really threatening some important equipment for your opponent so I mean, you know you're you're up against dash maybe you get to kill their Tickler foundry hard or, or whatever it might be
0: yeah it's really fascinating with guardian because of the cost of a lot of their red attacks um there is you know this sort of Balance you have to do in terms of you need to be able to pay for them. So, I think that in Guardian, you have to really pick your reds um, very carefully. Uh, there's there's a lot of cards that are fantastic, but um, ultimately, you're going to have to select a few because you're going to need, need to be able to pay their extremely high costs, which is sort of one of the themes. But um, yeah. yeah, you're limited to what you can play. So,
1: if we round it out, we'll talk about some of the old times. Of course, you have endless winter and oak and old as like the two majestic red line attacks uh for tales of aria and so, you know both cards we haven't really seen utilize their fullest extent yet i don't think endless winter of course has both that fusion effect and that on hit effect um which is really interesting but then oak and old's that that dual fusion card which has been touted as being so powerful and of course it does have a very powerful effect i mean it goes to nine attack for three uh, and gets the dominate but it gets harder to double fuse that card and unless and you, you know, if you don't have go again to utilize those cards afterwards, what are you going to do with the two cards that you fuse? So that's probably, I think we've seen it a little bit less underexplored at the moment. But of course, in Tales of aria you do just have more of these efficient attacks, right? And and things that can uh, have have on-hit effects because of fuse. So Entangle, in for instance, one of my favorite cards, Unlimited, three costs for seven, but if it's fused, you know, the the opponent's fist attack, it's minus two. So effectively a three for nine uh, sort of, damage trade there is, is really interesting glacial footsteps with the dominate and the big attack um snow under so you do have these these on hit effects in tales of Araya. just change it up a little bit like we talked about and i think that's a really interesting design space to explore um, and as we talk about this more and more i just want to i just want to go and, and build myself a, an old time sledge of anvilheim deck
0: that's uh really aggressive <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well i think we can kind of head into a subject that i, I think we're both pretty passionate about when it comes to guardian but that's going to be styles uh, obviously, we're going to break down all the styles that can be played, but I think that me and you definitely agree on one style that is criminally underplayed in the Guardian class.
1: Yeah, why don't we start with that? I mean, we've kind of got the obvious ones that we can we can touch on afterwards, but the this I guess um, this Aura strategy is something that is is available but is really not talked about and hasn't been hasn't been played. I assume that's the one we're talking about, right? This one I had in mind. <laughs>
0: well this is actually the first time that I've thrown you something like that and you have said the one that I was not thinking (laughs) I was definitely thinking aggressive Okay, okay. but uh, I mean aura for sure is completely underplayed and has massive potential Um, that being said I don't think it's really been demonstrated yet if we look at the aggressive side of guardian I think that it has been demonstrated yet it is still massively underplayed like people gravitate towards like fatigue and attrition on guardian when these sort of mid-range tempo or even aggressive based builds can be extremely strong right like i'm i'm a huge proponent of the zealous belting rousy ancients that kind of go wide just you know have this have this go again attack then swing with the hammer kind of guardian build and then of course weaving into that your spinal crushes your crippling crushes like that deck i think is so criminally undervalued especially if like we're looking at the monarch meta where people really went back onto fatigue as their comfort pick Mm -hmm. Where picking, you know, playing that more aggressive list and using the upgrades that Guardian got in Monarch may have put uh Bravo in a better position in that format, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, so what did these what does this aggressive deck look like, right? Like so, yeah, to your point, it's it's efficient attacks. So the Zell's Beltings even outmuscles a card that's seen playing these kind of builds. It is the ability to swing the weapon on those turns as well. But then because that's not super it's not over it's not overwhelming right like it's a little bit underwhelming if you're just coming in for 10 damage with no on hit effects turn after turn but of course guardian has access to a slew of on hit effects as well as uh you know as probably the best shell for pummel and pummel is, yeah. is an, you know it creates a it's an on hit effect you know at, at, at on demand right so uh you know you turn yourself beltings into a nine attack for you know you discard a card you can pump it on your weapon, you can pump it on a, a crush effect. And you don't need to play many crush effects in these aggressive decks still. So, you know, Spinal Crush, um, crippling crush, for instance, if you're playing a Bravo, aggressive shell, that's probably still enough. But then, you know, as in your in-between turns, you're just coming with your weapon. You're coming with the Zealous Beltings, you're coming with a, a pummel on one of those, and it's really hard to sort of gauge what you could be doing on any given turn, hard to defend necessarily. And then at some point, you know, you just are able to change the tempo up a little bit and just have these big crush effects you know maybe you take a turn off uh because you draw you draw you draw the all blue hand or you draw a triple blue plus the the crush effect maybe you you defend out a little bit you create a, a tectonic plating a seismic surge token and then you set up for the next turn with a crippling crush and then you come with crippling crush plus pummel or something or you know you just have these these huge like haymaker punches in between just really efficient and and strong aggressive turns and you you go away from the defense reactions, you probably play very little defense reactions um, and you just, yeah, you stay on the front foot and you try and, I guess, put the pressure on the opponent and, and you know what, if you do need to block up, then that's fine because your, your cards defend efficiently anyway. Uh, you know, for the most part, you're still going to be playing a lot of cards that defend for three, not the Zealous Beltings, not the Rousers, not the Pummels, but everything else is still going to defend for three in your world and you have this like fridge of equipment on the side as well with, um, we didn't really talk about it in the cards before, but. Of course, you've got Tectonic playing. we did talk about, but the Goli- uh not the Goliath one. the... Um, I haven't blanked on what it's Crater called. Fist. <laughs> Crater Fist, of course. Uh, plus, you know, by Skull Cap, you can even play Iron Rock Boots if needed as well. So that's what this uh, That's what this aggressive shell kind of looks like. And yeah, I think it's, it's really hard to... If you sit down across from a Guardian opponent, you're probably going to think they're going to be defensive. And then for these aggressive builds to come out, you know, did you want to be playing defense reactions against Guardian, or were you trying to go wide? And... It just creates this kind of difficulty of how you match up into Guardian. And of course, because of how flexible their utility cards are, these resource cards, just because they start aggressive doesn't mean they need to end aggressive, right? They could push damage early and then they could sort of turtle up a little bit and,
0: and play on these big crush effects for the late game. Yeah. And like you said, sometimes worst case scenarios, you're blocking up with maybe three cards in your opponent's turn, then you're swinging one of the most efficient weapons in the game back at your opponent for four. Exactly. Yep. Yep. All setting up for a future turn with a. So tell know. me about this aura build. Like, tell me about this underplayed, underappreciated, and sleeper aura build. Well, I think it has to be underappreciated because right now it's not appreciated at
1: all. <laughs> yeah, um, So you have you have a bunch of auras, right? So you have from the original sets, of course, you have Emerging Dominance, Emerging Power. Uh, you have Blessings of Deliverance. You have the the Majestic and the Supers. You have Showtime for Bravo. Then you you have Stamp Authority, and then we get to to our latest set, we get Tales of Arya, and then we get Embolden, which is like a, like a payoff for Auras, right? Plus a build. Um, so Guardian has a bunch of Auras, Towering Titan, of course, as well, and then Emerging Avalanche and Emerging Dominance in Tales of for Elemental. So you have this big amount of payoff, and it hasn't really been hasn't really been looked at. We haven't really seen it. I'm sure some people have, have built it up and maybe played it in Armories and things like that. But it looks like a an archetype that Alice has... Clearly said, this is here. There are these cards available to you. But the question is now, is like, how do you build that? Um, and to be honest, I haven't really looked into it. A whole heap, if I was to start somewhere though, I would start with, how do I get the most out of Embolden? And uh, can I set up turns where I just, maybe I take a turn off and play an aura, lock out with two cards, and then next turn I come in for 20 damage. You know, I've uh, got Towering Titan Access. You've got you've got all these cards. imaging uh, Dominance, I think, is a great and interesting aura because it has Dominate on it right it gives you dominate on the attack so um there's definitely something there there's cost efficiencies you know you pitch two blue cards you play your emerging dominance and then you come in with anathos for six and then next turn you know you set up i think the deck building is more difficult and maybe there's some higher variance because you need to draw the guardian card on the next turn or uh, you need to play for your second cycle so that is a potential sort of thing you need to play into as well which maybe this isn't the right format for it but yeah, I think it's, a, it's an area that's um, maybe worth exploring and probably when I have some downtime post-nationals is something I might look at personally.
0: Don't forget the old pump and thump as well. But quickly, here, <laughs> talk about the mid <laughs> talk about the mid range build. So, I think a standard Bravilis, uh, efficient defense reactions, playing around, you know, playing around cards like Terrace Under, Crippling Crush, and Spinal, and you know, maybe even setting up for the second cycle. I think that this is something we'll touch on in a little bit. But Guardian is one of the strongest classes actually on that second cycle. And finally, here we have the defensive or fatigue slash attrition. You know, the, these those three that I mentioned, they can be a little bit different, but. Effectively a bit the same I would say Fatigue is the one I'm at least a fan of Because it does put the impetus on your opponent To just kind of win the game or lose the game um, And you're kind of in the passenger seat That being said, uh, defensive slash an attrition build Can be quite strong I think that, you know, quick fun fact Is I think that Guardian Dread Drone of Brutality Was actually the strongest Drone of Brutality deck In Welcome to Wraith but bringing it up to modern days, I mean, that weapon's efficiency while being defensive on your opponent's turn is just so powerful. And of course you can have big swing turns with your, you know, your crippling crush that you set up or your spinal crush, or even if you've drawn a sort of natty. So a really strong style that you can play. All right, and let's transfer into how to win with it. Sorry, I was just um I was just waking up. You put me to
1: sleep talking about traditional uh, Guardian builds. <laughs> yeah, they're, the so, uh, they're just so, I mean, we've just seen these like I guess, efficient defensive control-based guardian index for so long that it's just, uh, just a bit boring, isn't it? <laughs> I want I want more auras.
0: I want more uh, more aggressive guardian shells. It's still so funny because I, I just didn't really get the satire. Music. It's like, I was just waking up. I was like, oh man, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just blacked out. But Yeah, I was <laughs> like, Jesus. Uh, somebody call a doctor. So let's talk about how to win with it. So like I just mentioned, playing to that second cycle and setting up your pitch for the longer games, is a very, very good strategy with Bravo if you're able to do it, right? If you're trying to set up for the second cycle in games where it's not appropriate, you're going to be getting the beat down put on you. But in games that do go to the second cycle and games where you're not getting Exodia assembled on you by a dash player or something like that, probably is one of the strongest classes on the second cycle. You can set up kind of the perfect crippling crush, the perfect spinal turns, and you can really just go crush into crush into crush into crush. Um, our, our man, Kaelicreeth, was, I think, the first efficient auto of doing this, but setting up that deck and going crippling into crippling into crippling is absolutely devastating.
1: Yeah, and it's it's not that hard to set up either. You, you can track it pretty easily, right? You just need to, because your deck has so many blues in it. Okay, I pitch two blues here, and now I pitch a blue plus my crippling crush, and I come up with Anathos for six. And now i have got it set up on the bottom of my deck, right, with the cards I need. So not even that difficult to um, to necessarily set up and and if you get down to because you know your deck's really efficient at defending with these defense reactions as well, if you're playing that build, you get down to 20, 25 cards left in your deck and it's like a bunch of blues and just like gas crippling crushes and spinal crushes and stuff, you can actually string like five, six turns back to back of just these big crush attacks and just kind of take the game away from your opponent, which is is really what that that how to win style with that um I guess, in-game Guardian
0: Planners. Yeah. And speaking of that, let's talk about disrupting your opponent's setup turns with your on-hit effects, right? So as as the Bravo player, you can really utilize these cards like Crippling Crush and Spinal Crush, and actually just a lot of the on-hit effects cards to time them around when your opponent's trying to set up. It's really, really punishing to give uh, a guardian player kind of five card hands or the ability to do what they want because they can set up kind of the perfect disruption card to play around your big turn i mean we saw this most painfully in playing chain right like when they if they had set up the spinal at the right time there was literally nothing you could do and you would take a million blood debt
1: yeah guardian and in particular well actually both both of them both uh old time and bravo at this point really reward you for understanding what your opponent's doing um, with these more sort of I guess defensive or mid-range tiles because if you can understand what your opponent's trying to do you can pick out the turns where you really want to rely on getting across this on-hit effect whether that's you know something like a terra sunder for instance a crippling crush like uh, or a spinal crush like Brennan said but even it could be like a disable for instance um, you can I can use a, a point of example in one of the games that we played on on camera not long ago uh, there's a, a turn where uh, Brennan chooses to play the dis- disable to challenge my arsenal card because he knows it's important to me on that turn Uh, whereas the attack look kind of inefficient but these on hit effects are really relevant and if you know how to pick your spots and how to use these crush effects and these on hit effects to really pressure your opponent or like maybe it's with pummel as well how to pressure your opponent with them um then you're gonna find that you you get a lot of success with the with the guardians i think
0: Mm mm-hmm and another point of how to win with it is you know, something we talked about quite a bit through this podcast. But investing in your future turns rather than just playing hand to hand. I think the easiest way to articulate this is through that piece of armor tectonic plating. But just in general, guardian is really not usually a hand to hand kind of class. It is very much a setup, you know, a setup class where you are playing, you know, through that arsenal and playing around your five card and your big kind of pivot turns. Yeah, Guardian can definitely be a bit of an investment
1: fund of a of a class, can't it? You know, uh work for your future, not for today, you know? It's uh it's all about tomorrow <laughs> and a lot of the Guardian things. Uh and and there's there's a reason for that, right? That is the design element that LSS explored with, with the Guardian. So I think to try and like fly in the face of that and and uh not look at builds that utilize that is is probably a bit of uh it's doing a disservice to what Guardian can do. You know even if it's as small as just utilizing tectonic plate efficiently and that's where a lot of people will start and that's where guardian has started but we're seeing even more so now it, it starts to come in with with other things as well uh like we talked about with whether it be like pitch stacking whether it be with these auras that you can use for your future for instance um hmm. i think it's something that's clearly there in the guardian design space and i don't expect
0: it to go away either we've seen it now for every set where guardian has been prevalent and finally, a way to win with it, which I will very much hesitate to say, is going to be that fatigue, um, which is French for fatigue, of course. So not my favorite way to win the game and not a way I think will be very good as players be, you know, are able to adapt to it more. But Guardian does possess the ability to fatigue their opponents. Yeah, you just have efficiency, right?
1: I, I would say where the fatigue piece comes in more now is actually in like mid-range matchups uh, against aggressive decks. Maybe they have too much explosiveness but against you know other mid-range decks it's the fatigue used to be like okay i just block out until they run out of cards and now i think the fatigue piece is like actually i'm fatiguing them both offensively and defensively so defensively i'm shutting down their attacks with you know my efficient defending but offensively i'm like pushing these big you know attacks you know 7 resources for 10 coming in at you and then or 11 coming in at you and then your opponent has to like spend three cards to defend it out like that's a really efficient trade for you right so the, the old fatigue was maybe really defensive. And I think the, the new way of talking about fatigue, especially in the context of Guardian, is that it's uh, it's both an offensive and, and defensive piece.
0: Mm. Now, let's head in and talk about how to beat it. So first one here is going to be pressure. And we talked about this a little bit, but don't let the Guardian player have five-card hands when possible. I think Guardians chaining five-card hand into five-card hand is probably one of the most impressive things you can sit on the other table from. I
1: think this is... I think this is true, but I think it's contextual about what guardian you're playing against. So, for instance, uh, against old time, I really don't care about them having five cut hands. I think they're really going to struggle to use five cut hands with these traditional old time builds. Even with like some of the more traditional bravo builds, um, if we're on the first cycle of the deck, I'm probably not as scared about them having five cut hands. Although cards like Terra Sunder and will obviously change that to a massive degree. So, I think it depends on what your opponent's doing. Obviously, if they've got Zelth Beltings and things like that, I'm really worried about them having five cut hands. Um, so i do think it's pretty pretty contextual but i do think pressuring not allowing them to set up their second cycle not allowing them to probably do what they want efficiently against bravo is really really key Uh, against old time you know you might have to look at a different way to beat it uh, which i'm i'm sure we're going to talk about but that is you know that is setting up big turns that is uh trying to maybe not do something on one turn so that they can you know they have their five cut hand they don't do much but then on the second turn you overwhelm their defenses so I think it's going to depend on <clears throat> probably a bit of a cheat I would say is if it's a defensive guardian you are okay for them to have five card hands you need to look at how you push big chunks of damage because they defend really efficiently and then if it's uh, more of this mid range or you know maybe an aggressive shell or a tempo shell then yeah I, I don't really want them having these hands and I need to find ways to efficiently trade with
0: them right. Mm -hmm. i would say another one here is going to be avoiding going to the second cycle if you don't have to this is just in line with our point that guardian is one of the strongest classes on the second cycle so if you can avoid going there and your deck is built to not go there it is usually better to play the first cycle rather than the second when you're facing against a guardian Uh, another one we mentioned throughout this cast is go wide attacks like we talked about why dash was kind of um you kind of put guardian back in his place and tucked it away for a little bit until came out. but yeah, I mean, we saw this initially with Ninja as well. Just Guardian kind of struggles with decks that will go wide on it, especially if there's hit triggers on those go-wide attacks.
1: Yep, I think it's um, it's kind of the 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 baseline of how to beat Guardian, I think, is, is go wide against it. It's, uh, it's really, d- basically, the way that these Guardian decks beat go-wide decks is they they go tall and they push their damage. So, you know, they play these, or, or they use their hands better. So they, on f- offense, they use these Zealous Beltings, they use these pummels. Uh, they make sure they push their crush effects so, you know, if you go wide with something that's aggressive or you go wide with something that's even controlling like dash, I think you can, uh, you can have a good time into, into Bravo. It's just all about how you set it up and then uh, how you
0: play into their turns. Mm-hmm. so i think that there's also ways that you can punish guardians decks that run heavy defense reactions like there is of course command and conquer in this format that was sort of a popular card to run into a lot of these defensive guardian decks back in arcane rising crucible of war but now we have things like exude confidence which are great uh great additions for a lot of aggro decks um but that being said i think the most important point i can kind of sign off here with is to use your armor efficiently, right? That's got to be the most important thing to do when you're playing against the Guardian. I see time and time again people ine- ineffectively use their armor when it's one of your most of, most important tools when facing down things like Crippling Crush and Spinal Crush that threaten to just completely derail your game plan.
1: Yep, I completely agree. The The armor's going to be key. I think trying to use it strategically but also not, uh, not lose it early. The, the earlier you use your equipment, the the more opportunity your opponent has to set up these crush turns and, and be confident that they're going to be able to push it through, whereas the longer you keep around that equipment, they they have to work it out. You know how how do I buy the equipment? How do I ever get through these on hit effects? Am I just going to take a bunch of damage on the way back because they can throw equipment at it, etc. And the the last thing I wanted to talk about, Brendan, is um making the guardian players use their hands inefficiently. And you know we talked about five cut hands at the top of this. How to beat it. It looks something like a Rhynar, right? With Intimidate. That's a great way to really put some pressure on a Guardian that wants to, you know, maybe use two cards to defend and then use two cards on offense. Uh, those are the decks that something like a Rhynar can shine against. And and a Guardian is a deck that wants to use its hands efficiently. And if you don't let them do that, because you know, you, either you don't let them defend, uh, or you don't let them attack efficiently, is uh, is really how you can attack them.
0: Mm-hmm absolutely well due to the nature of these <laughs> these class deep dives becoming uh, quite a bit longer I think we're just kind of have to kind of blaze through the matches. Um this way we can keep it more high level and make it a you know, pretty future pro- as future proof as possible. But that being said, let's talk about what sort of styles does Guardian struggle into? It's been mentioned, of course, quite recently here. It does struggle to into the go wide on hit effects as well, especially if it accompanies that go wide, as well as decks that I think beat it in the late game, right? We saw this a lot with Dash back in Cruise of Wars. like you could, Dash would likely be dragging you to the end game, but by the time they got there, they were getting so much value off their purifiers and their induction chambers that as a Guardian player, it was very hard to keep up.
1: Yeah, Guardian is not the most efficient control deck although old time now with crown of seeds and and rampart um, might be able to challenge that but traditionally bravo hasn't been and and where guardian can struggle is is definitely going wide it doesn't have as much once you get through that equipment its ability to defend out efficiently is is really starting to be lost especially if you don't break the chain and don't give something like a a rampart of the rams head the efficiency that it it needs you know if it doesn't get used multiple times in a turn it's efficiently is efficiency is a lot lower right uh so I think that's massively important, and then yeah, the so the late game, like you say, is is where you can, uh, re, you know you can actually outshine Bravo, especially all um, time maybe less so, and then like you say, you know something like a a chain, something that uh, what we saw in the last one, these things that can push big chunks of damage is really where where Bravo or um, even old time can can struggle uh, because what what these guardians excel at is using utilizing their hands efficiently fending for X number of cards and attacking with X number of cards. You have so many options. Like the, the options are endless, right? In terms of, okay, I could be using five cards for offense here because I'm setting up a big pummel crippling crush turn. Or actually, no, I could only be using one card for offense here because I'm just going to come with an Anathos and I want to use my cards strategically defensively. So these uh, these decks that force them to not be able to play in the middle ground are the decks that um, that that can have the most success, I think um into especially traditional guardian builds and, and defensive guardian builds but then if you yeah. if you flip that onto the aggressive side some of these decks might not do as well so something like a ninja for instance doesn't tend to do as well into the the aggressive decks that we talked about warrior doesn't tend to have maybe as much game uh, because it can just get completely run over uh, because you know opportunities to reprise blood mount things like that
0: yeah and it's kind of a unique deck but <laughs> uh guardian definitely does struggle into aura prism um even if you have the time skip, it's just tough to kind of clear multiple auras at once. So if they get you at the old, you know, Toma Divinity, you know, Toma Divinity, Toma Divinity into Toma Divinity and put a couple auras on the field in front of you, you can get effectively aura locked. And there is almost no way to come back from that as a Guardian player.
1: Yeah. I think if we're talking about as well what what styles this Guardian or what matchups are tougher for Guardian and what matchups are maybe better for Guardian as we're going to move on to, the Guardian is really one of those, those classes that I think sits pretty close in the middle like it doesn't have terrible matchups outside of maybe dash traditionally and it doesn't have you know any matchups that uh phenomenal outside unfortunately ranger uh for the ranger players out there so it's a deck that can really flex its style because we just talked about you know this defensive this mid-range this aggressive style and have game you know pretty close to i'd say these kind of 50 50 matchups against a a lot of a lot of the um heroes in flesh and blood
0: yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. All right, let's, let's get off the negativity and talk about what is good into. <laughs> so, what sort of meta are you looking to play Guardian into? So, like, when Everfest comes out and the meta shifts, like, what are some of the early catalysts that you'll see? Like, uh, the decks that people switch over to, the styles that you're and like, hmm, maybe Guardian is going to be a good pick.
1: So I think any format that uh, that slows up a little bit, formats that play around the middle ground is where I really want to be playing Guardian into because, like I said, I want to use my hands as efficiently as possible, whether it be on defense or offense. Um, but the 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 Guardians do a bit of best of both worlds, and and even old time right because of Winter's Whale and some of these really efficient attacks. Um, I think I think you can play guardian into most formats it's probably going to depend on which guardian you play so for instance i think old time is a, is a pretty good choice in the current tales of aria meta that we're seeing because it uh, is really efficient at defending it has crown of seeds it has the rampart uh, it has you know the the reaction printed on old time but i think this is a much tougher format for bravo for instance but if we flip to as i say like a more middle ground format a lot more mid-range decks playing around then yeah i'm really keen to play bravo i'm keen to punish people with you know, there's in game stacks with uh with crush effects, with just efficient defensive values as well. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, if it goes to a, a more controlling format, then then again maybe I'm moving away from from Guardian a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I think I'm just 100 percent in line with you, and I'm going to agree with you on on that one because <laughs> right. um, you summed it up pretty well. Yeah, uh, but that being said, we have switched the format a little bit during these class deep dives, and we, we're not really talking about Blitz as much. I think as Flesh and Blood evolves as a game, Blitz is just more of a casual format, so it does slide, sort of slide out of the scope of these podcasts. But Hayden, why don't you give us give us a little bit of a anecdote on Blitz because you actually played a bit of Guardian Blitz. <laughs> i did i don't know if i can give you just a, a nice
1: tidy anecdote but i do think that guardian is really interesting in, in blitz um it is often doing something very similar to what it has been in classic constructed in the past whether it be bravo or all time uh, i think we've seen all time have a lot of success in skirmish season three which we've just surpassed at the time of recording this this podcast we we'll just wrap that up uh these these guardian decks i think um because of the armor value that you have and as a percentage of like the life total in the game And the fact that, you know, you have this ability to get through to your second cycle, I guess, you know, in less turns, although you have less life, of course, is really interesting. So I I like Guardian of Blitz. I played a bit of Bravo in Skirmish Season, what, end of Skirmish Season uh, 1 into 2, which I really enjoyed. And yeah, I think uh, Old Time clearly has a pretty interesting spot into a, I guess, a, a Blitz format that's really sort of dominated by aggressive decks in the past sort of skirmish season so it'd be really interesting to see what happens with everfest and how blitz goes because of course we have seen you know with crucible the supplemental set beforehand you know new heroes come in as well so yeah
0: for sure awesome man so as we go ahead and close this one out why don't you give me the one thing that you hope for guardian um what one thing you hope guardian gets in Everfest,
1: it's interesting. I feel like garden has so many tools that are under, I know
0: <laughs> that I
1: don't even know if I feel like Guardian needs anything in particular. I would maybe like to see something for uh, Old Time in particular that allows you to play a bit more of a tempo-based game plan. And if I'm, you know, if I'm talking about Bravo, I would like to see something that maybe uh, enables another payoff for that kind of Aura strategy. Maybe so, like an efficient attack that pairs well with with the Auras, like a
0: thump esque kind of kind of attack um, or, or something along those lines. Awesome. So for me, I just want to see more aggressive cards. I think that Guardian does have a lot of aggressive tools in its toolbox right now. But a lot of that, I think we're flexing into generics when we're going there. A lot of these generic block twos. That being said, I, I do still do think that the aggressive archetype of guardian is very very strong right now. But I think we could see some more aggressive um, kind of additions in the actual class, uh, and that's pretty much all I've got my on. Obviously, I'm a bit partial to the aggressive archetype of guardian, um, but yeah. Well, anyway, that closes out our class deep dive or 101 on the guardian class. We hope you all enjoyed. Shoot us a comment um, in the comments below if you are listening on YouTube. Of what class you would like to see next um and that being said let's go ahead and get to the shilling hayden (laughs) so just want to shout out the arsenal Pass youtube channel we are on youtube we do have tons of content over there including deck Tech's extra podcasts the famous podcast time of the round where we get to have other people do our content for us and interview the (laughs) beautiful people of flesh and blood as well as you know gameplay of course so check us out on youtube we are shooting for those 3k subscribers by the end of the year and we are so 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 close Um, But yeah, if you, me and Hayden are both on Twitter, I'm located at Brendan APG and Hayden is located at Fyndale. That's F-Y-E-N underscore Dale. Um, Feel free to engage with us on that platform. You know, we love talking to everybody. And finally, a big shout out to all the Arsenal Pass patrons. Thank you all so much for subscribing. It does mean the absolute world to us. And Um, the arsenal pass patreon does have tons of extra content if you're interested in joining including an extra pot every month a live session and of course if we throw a deck tech up on the youtube we do have the cyber guide deck theory write-up matchups ratios everything you need to pick it up start being competitive on the patreon side anyway until next time we'll see you in the next one (laughs) see you later